This morning, you might be a little like Philip. He was rather concerned when he looked in the bulletin. He said uh, he was too busy to binge watch any shows, and he was wondering if he was going to be left out of this sermon series because he hasn't watched Stranger Things. And I assured him it was okay. But this uh, sermon series that we're beginning today is called Strangest Things, and it is from the book of Ezekiel. Because Ezekiel is, quite frankly, one of the strangest or maybe the strangest book in the Bible in terms of it's got so much imagery, so much stuff in there that's just wild. It's really out there. One of the, uh, one of the scholars who wrote a com- one of the commentaries that I read in studying called this the weird and wonderful world of Ezekiel because Ezekiel has some really different stuff. But we're, um, we're not going to necessarily go through this whole book verse by verse, but we're going to look for the next few weeks at certain parts of the book of Ezekiel because it's one of the kind of books that Christians don't read but should. Because if you don't get scared off by the imagery and the stuff that's a little, it's not just the imagery, the stuff that Ezekiel does, we'll find out later on, he does some really weird stuff. But all of that stuff has a meaning and has a purpose, and we can all learn so much from it. And so uh, today we're going to begin with Ezekiel chapter 1, and I want to invite you to uh, turn there in your Bible if you have it, and then stand with me as we read in honor and reverence for the Word of God. Our message will really be from the whole first chapter, but just uh, for the sake of time today, we'll just read the first uh, three or four verses. On July 31st of my 30th year, while I was with the Judean exiles beside the Kibar River in Babylon, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. This happened during the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. The Lord gave a message to Ezekiel, son of Buzi, a priest, beside the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians, and he felt the hand of the Lord Take hold of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I pray that we would learn from Ezekiel, from this vision, uh, this introduction to God that he gets in chapter 1, that it would help us to see you more clearly uh, just as it helped uh, Ezekiel. Father, open our hearts. Uh, open us to see and to receive all that you have for us today. And God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You can be seated. What's Ezekiel all about? The book of Ezekiel opens, the scene, the setting, is Ezekiel on his 30th birthday living in a refugee camp in Babylon, 700 miles from his home back west in Jerusalem. He was a priest, or at least was supposed to be, but he was long separated from that temple. And I kind of imagine that he was sitting there on that day not having the happiest thoughts in the world, it being his birthday and life being very different than how it could have been. And while he was sitting there, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And he begins to see this vision. This vision that comes to him 
is a, uh, it's not real straightforward. It is a very interesting vision. And like I said, we could have read all of it, but I'm going to try to summarize it for you. He sees this huge dust cloud coming toward him. And then within this cloud, he sees fire, glowing fire, radiance, brilliance coming out of this cloud as it approaches. And then within that fire, he sees four living creatures. And they are somewhat human-like in appearance, but then they've got some extra stuff that makes them not human. Because they have a human face and head, but then they also have on one side another head of an ox, on the other side uh, another head, and another side the, the head of an eagle. They've got four different faces, a lion, an eagle, an ox, and a human head. All so they can face all these different directions. And not only that, but they have wings. And two of their wings cover them, but the other two wings stretch out and they touch the other four people, uh, other four creatures there all together. And these creatures are, are also, we've already had this fire and this radiance, but these creatures are even brighter than what's been seen before. And so you got the four of them, and they're kind of in a, a square or a rectangle, and their wings are out touching each other. And then he notices that there are some wheels beneath these four creatures, and these wheels uh, have wheels within wheels. And the, the meaning is that it can go any direction that it wants to go. If these four creatures that are basically acting like a vehicle... Uh, if they want to go this way, they don't have to turn and slightly go this way. They immediately go this way or that way. And the Bible says their appearance is like lightning, and they dash to and fro like lightning. Well, if this isn't enough, there's more. Besides that, in these wheels, the rims of the wheels, the Bible says, are full of eyeballs. And you can see all of these eyes in the rims. You know, rims are an interesting thing. A lot of people really... I don't know, some people, most of us, a lot of us don't care much about rims, but some people really get into rims. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, their car can be worth $1,500, and they got $3,000 worth of rims. You know, rims are really important to them. Well, if you're one of those people, check this out. There are these huge rims, and they've got eyes all in the rims. And the Bible says that these eyes, as if the eight eyes that each of the creatures possessed wasn't enough. All of these eyes are looking and seeing everything around them. And so uh, the Bible says that the eyes go wherever the spirits of the creatures go because they kind of share the spirit. And so instantaneously as the creatures think a direction, they instantly go in that direction. And it also says if they choose to go up because they have wings, they fly, the wheels just go on up with them. Well, then that, if that's not enough, there's actually a dome over them. And this dome or firmament or surface, whatever you want to call it, different translations call it different things, it's made out of this uh, some type of majestic uh, crystal-like material that is glowing and brilliant and, and shiny and reflective. It's this beautiful thing, but that's not all. On top of that is a, a throne, a gigantic throne that is made of a brilliant blue that looks like sapphire, the most beautiful blue sapphire you've ever seen. And on that throne is a creature, is, a, is an appearance 
like a man, but it is the appearance of the glory of God. And from this, uh, from God's appearance on here, both halves of him are glowing, but part of him glows more like fire, and the other half of him, the top half, glows more like molten uh, liquid metal. And there is beautiful radiance shooting out from all of this. And then beyond that, this, it says there is a perfect rainbow, a 360-degree rainbow that shines out from all of that. Now, that's what I call a vision, okay? Some of you have told me some interesting dreams that you've had before and you've wondered about them. Pastor Tim, what do you think about this dream? And I'm usually like, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever had one quite this good, but this is not a, just a dream. It is a vision that God has given Ezekiel. What are we to make of this? You know, I, call, um, I, I called this sermon initially in the bulletin, I called it God in a refugee camp. But the more I thought about it, um, I call it God's uh, off-road vehicle or God's ultimate SUV, however you want to think about it. Because if you think about this uh, a vehicle that God had for getting around and compare it to what we've got nowadays. We've got really smart cars, right, that can sense things and, and know when to stop and when to go. Well, God's got the eight eyes of each creature and all the eyes uh, of all the wheels. So I think that beats out the sensors we have. We've got cars with four-wheel drive and four-wheel steering. They've got wheels within wheels that can go anywhere they want to go and go up and down at all times. Now, there is no airbag or seatbelt, I'll give you that, but I think the, uh, the throne made out of sapphire kind of beats any bucket seats that we have. So this is kind of the ultimate vehicle out there. What is this vehicle and this appearance uh, of this vehicle, of this vision, and of God on top of it? What does it tell us, and what did it tell Ezekiel? There are three things that, that really stuck out to me. The first one that he had to realize, that Ezekiel did, and that all of us need to realize, is that our dreams do not determine our destiny. Let me repeat that. Our dreams do not determine our destiny. Now, I want to tell you, that is not what you will hear from any self-help uh, self guru. Tony Robbins does not approve of this message, okay? Because so often people tell you, uh, you know, whatever your dreams are, follow your dreams, and that's your destiny. And occasionally, hey, there's nothing wrong with dreams, and there's nothing going, going for things, having goals, setting goals, and going after them. That's a great thing. But what about when you don't reach those dreams? What about all the little boys who say, I'm going to play in the NBA. I'm going to be in the NFL. I'm going to be wherever. How many? What small percentage actually make it there? And we could make that, spread that example over all sorts of different things. And almost every single one of us in our lives, at some point or another, We've had a shattered or broken dream. We've had a disappointment or lat down, and life didn't turn out exactly like we wanted it to. And see, if you believe that this dream you had, this idea you had of how your future was going to turn out, if that was the only valid reality, if that is your destiny, and yet somehow it didn't happen, then where are you left? What, what is left for you in life? 
Well, nothingness, because you think this was my destiny. I failed it. I didn't make it. So life's over. But the reality is God's destiny, God's plan for each of us is greater than our dreams. Now, let's think about poor Ezekiel here. Ezekiel was born into a priestly family. At 20 years of age, if he so chose, and apparently he did, to follow that lineage and to go forward, he would have entered into training. And that training would have been a very vigorous, exacting, 10-year-long training. And on his 30th birthday, after those 10 years of long and arduous training, he would have actually began to serve in the temple as a priest. And so on his 20th birthday, he did that. He followed his fa- into his family p- uh, profession. He wanted to serve God in the temple. And everything was going great for five years. And then the Babylonians show up. And they completely overwhelm the Israelites, the Judeans. And they take them captive, many of them, the cream of the crop. You know, I guess he could have a little bit of a consolation. Well, I'm the cream of the crop. I'm not the, the lesser people that are left there in Jerusalem. But I don't think that's how he looked at it. Because five years later, as he had lived in this refugee camp there by the Kibar River in Babylon, on his 30th birthday, you and I, we know for sure that what he was thinking about that day was what could have been and what should have been, and what he felt like was his right and his destiny to step into the place of being a priest like he always was going to be. But God had something bigger and greater, something different for him. And so many of us, we have our plans and our goals and our hopes, and God sometimes grants those plans and hopes and goals But other times God says, I've got something else. And just because you didn't end up in that that dream being fulfilled, don't think that your destiny has failed and that life is over. I've got something else for you. God showed up to make sure he understood and through Ezekiel that we would understood that God's destiny for us is greater than our dreams. Secondly, from this ultimate off-road vehicle of God, you and I can learn that our geography uh, does not limit God's ability. Our geography does not limit God's ability. In other words, where you are, either literally geographically or where you are in your situation in life, does not hinder God's ability to work and to move. You see, for Ezekiel and many of the folks in the Old Testament, God's presence is an awesome and mighty and wonderful thing. But where is it? It is in the temple, not in the outside the temple, not in the inner courts, the court of women, the court of Gentiles, the court of men, not even in the court of priests, but in the the holy of holies where only the high priest could enter once a year. That's where God's presence was, and that's where he needed to pray toward, and that's where he could know that God was at work in Jerusalem and its surrounding communities and even to the rest of the nation of Israel. But here he was, 700 miles removed from home, 
far, far away. He found himself in a place that he never thought he would be and never wanted to be. And in his mind, all these years, these five years, he has been limiting God and saying, I would love to serve God. I would love to know God, to be closer to him, to be used by him, but I'm here. This situation and circumstances happened in my life, and God's way back there, and I'm here. But God showed up, a manifestation of his glory, which is different, but yet has a lot of similarities and recalls the glory of God as it was expressed in the tabernacle in the temple. And God is saying, just because you're in a mess, don't think that I'm not there. And that applies to you and I. If you're in a circumstance, if you're in a mess, if you're in a struggle in your life, and perhaps it was even your fault, uh, maybe it wasn't your fault, but maybe it was. Maybe you messed up and you say, man, this is my own fault. I'm in this mess Where's God? He can't be here because I messed up. I got myself here. And God is saying to you, I am not limited by geography. I am not limited by circumstance. I am there with you. God's presence was just as powerful and strong in a pagan nation that recognized many little g false gods but didn't really understand the true God, yet his presence was there still as powerfully. And he was about to do a great work in Ezekiel's life. So wherever you are, you may feel stuck. I had a pastor friend in Starkville who once told me there was a phrase called stuck in Starkville. Some people moved there and they just couldn't get away. They stayed in college too long or, or they just, you know, they just got stuck in Starkville. And he said, I asked myself, am I getting stuck in Starkville? I've been at this church for a while. And I don't know where you may feel you're stuck in a stage of life or in an issue you're dealing with, but God is there wherever it is. As we think about Ezekiel, we realize that our dreams don't determine our destiny, that our geography doesn't affect God's ability. And finally, I want to say that your darkness doesn't reduce God's radiance. Your darkness does not reduce God's radiance. Ezekiel was in a dark place. Ezekiel was in a place of mourning, of grief, of sorrow. I would certainly say amount of guilt and regret because he, like all the others, even though he was training to be a priest, he would have understand, understood that the exile of God's people was because of their failure as a nation, because they had sinned and done wrong. And he experienced all of these emotions. And I'm going to tell you, if you're by yourself on your 30th birthday, out away from everybody else, you're not throwing a party unless it's a pity party. That's what's going on if you're all by yourself on your 30th birthday and none of your friends are with you. He was having a pity party. He was dark. He was depressed. He was down. But I want you to understand that every part of the vision of God that he saw got brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until ultimately he was blown away 
by the glory and the brilliance of God's appearance to him. And God spoke to him from that throne. And the Bible says that he fell on his knees and bent his face to the ground and he worshiped. His life was so dark because he wasn't seeing God. But God was there. And God broke through his resistance and God revealed himself in increasing ways from the cloud to the fire to the creatures to the wheels to the platform to the throne to God himself and the rainbow of light that surrounded him. It was a sign that there was hope. No matter how dark Ezekiel felt, no matter how down he was, depressed he was, no matter how confused he was, God had something more for him. This morning, I wonder if you're like Ezekiel in some way. Your hopes and dreams did not pan out. Your current life looks different than you expected it to look. Maybe you're in a place, a circumstance, a situation you didn't plan for. And maybe these things, these disappointments in life, these losses have got you in a place of darkness. And God is saying to you, I'm here. And because I'm here, there is light and there is hope. You may not see it, you may not understand it, but there is more out there for you. God's message to you today is that he's here. You may not get the plan he has for you, but he has one. And it is a good plan. And there is hope for your future because no matter where you are, God is with you. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we may look at Ezekiel, and the more we learn about him, the more we say he's a weird guy, he's a strange guy, he sees strange stuff, he does strange stuff, and yet he's so much like us in that he experienced ordinary disappointment, heartache, brokenness, all of these things that we experience as we go through life and things don't turn out the way that we want them to. God, help us to understand that you're still with us. Whether it was things that just happened to us or even whether it's, it was things that that were somewhat our fault or maybe all the way our fault. No matter the circumstance that we're in, God, you're with us. And God, you have a plan and there is hope for us. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today who has not let go of something in their life that's been dragging them down for a long, long time and they've just held on to it to God, today that they'd surrender that to you and God, they'd simply say, Lord, I'm ready to move forward with life. I'm ready to accept that, Lord, that wasn't your plan for me or, or I messed something up, but God, I know you've got something good ahead for me. And Lord, somebody needs to, in, that's in the middle of a dark situation right now needs to call out to you and say, God, I haven't been seeing you in my world seems dark and it seems small but God I know that you're big and Father you move with instantaneous speed you can reach me wherever I am God you're with me Lord I pray that 
those who need to call on you to lift them, to carry them, to walk them through the darkness that they would do so. Lord, bless our time of public invitation as, as we have an opportunity to commit to the Lord and to respond to him. I pray that we do that. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.